Mr. Harris? Yes. Mr. Kazo sent me. Oh? May I enter? Thank you. Direct massage? I don't think I I like massage anymore. Mr. Kazo sent premium fantasy. Hi, and welcome to the podcast Regbau 411. What you just heard was from the movie Lost in Translation, and we'll get back to that later in this episode. My name is Miguel Elming, I'm your host, I am an art historian and the curator and director at the Art Center Regelbau 411, which is two Second World War bunkers reactivated for sound, light and video art. In the City of Sound, the municipality of Stor, Denmark. For every exhibition in our art center, we send out an episode of this podcast. And this episode is about the exhibition Premium Fantasy by the artist Arthur Jesus Inquero. My name is Arthur Jesus Inquero, and uh, I'm an artist, a video and performance artist. What you're about to listen to is an edited conversation between me and the artist. It's recorded on the day of the opening of the exhibition, which was the 23rd of March 2019. The exhibition can be experienced every day from 10am to 5pm until the 16th of June. I hope you come by to visit, and if you do, I hope this conversation will help you to have an even better experience of the exhibition. So um, in this exhibition, there's uh, quite a few works. Uh, like there's there's quite a few video works, yeah. and I think there was supposed to be even more. But I'm really glad that it was a bit like a bit cut down the amount because it would be maybe like just too much. Yeah. But now I think that it's very focused, and uh, it's also. Um, I mean, at some point, it's also an obvious selection, but then also there's like a few surprises that I'm quite glad about. And uh, so in a way, I kind of love it that last night I was like looking at the selection of the works and I was like, oh, uh, it's actually a really kind of cool, good selection in regards of like all the videos that I've made. It's like, hmm. it kind of like has its own story or something. It fits together, you know. I think all of the videos in the exhibition are, uh, they have a lot of same elements. I mean, I use myself as a kind of, uh, like a main character in all of the videos. Uh, for me, it's really important to kind of consider who I like represent and how do I kind of act. And I guess, I mean, uh, being kind of like a performance artist, it's very natural for me to like just take advantage of the person that I am and then using that. In the videos, uh, I use my body in order to kind of communicate to the audience something. I think all of like each video has a lot to do with also like myself, like being in front of the camera. So it becomes this kind of like an, kind of like an act even. Uh, I think 
a lot of the videos are very staged. It's uh, all, almost all of them has this like very specific aesthetic, very kind of capitalist aesthetic. Uh, what everything. do you mean by capitalist aesthetic? I mean, it's very commercial in a way. But I mean, of course, at points it also breaks. But I think that's also, uh, I mean, all the aesthetics is very kind of appropriated. I mean, it's like kind of taken from advertisements, taken from films, taken from like photos. I take a lot of like aesthetic things from other people. I take it from Instagram. Uh, I really like, like, um, this um like software software design uh interface um, i think a lot of the works has to do with interface uh also in a more abstract manner but also in a very specific manner like like that there's like iphone interfaces there's applications there's instagram like i'm pushing buttons i'm like doing things there's a lot of gadgets i'm listening to music it's like i'm listening to a movie I have different types of headphones on in every work. <laughs> it has a lot to do with that also. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Mm, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of the works are kind of like everyday high quality in a way. I mean, some of the scenes are shot with an iPhone and it's like the quality is already like so amazing. And I really like that. It's like a person who just happens to like, like, I think like even like the kind of low approach on things like when I'm filming, I'm always filming with like maximum one person. And that one person is there because only like not, not to kind of help me, but otherwise it would be like impossible to actually like make a like specific scene. But most of the time it's just me and the camera. So I really like that kind of like, uh, mood of like when i'm filming there's this like very specific like calm tranquil mood that also i think kind of comes out for the viewer like if you're watching the videos then there's like very specific um thing and i also love it like when i'm editing i always have too much material so it takes so much time to actually like make an edit even if like the material that in the end is in the video, like sometimes it just seems so random, but I think there's always like something that I see that's interesting to me, like a specific gesture, like something that's kind of like taking my attention. And there's also like, when I'm filming, everything's kind of like nice quality, but then in the end, I don't really like care about the quality so much. I think it just happens that the material is nice quality and then I'm just making an edit and I mean, it like the cuts can sometimes be like super rough. And I think that that kind of breaks the kind of advertisement world illusion that the work actually like becomes something else through like being quite roughly handled in a way but yeah yeah because it's like i i feel like uh, you say like it's a commercial aesthetic but then again like it's 
it is like commercial in the in the sense that it is it's really uh, nice and and like mm. uh, aesthetically pleasing, but to me, watching your work, uh, it's it's more like uh, feels more like a documentary or like that you're <laughs> the fly on the wall, so to say, mm. like that you you're watching a person who tries to live the life of commercials mm. like the the life that capitalism is selling to us here we're following someone who's trying to live that life yeah and I, in a sense we're all doing that in different ways and in different extremes but that's very much what i get yeah i think uh maybe actually i think i am filming the life that capitalism like wants us to live kind of or like i'm filming it but at the same time i'm like i mean people are already living it like capitalism uh if it would be a person like capitalism don't need to sell it anymore i mean we are living it and we have been <laughs> so it's also like i think also it's kind of very every day and i do like to think that my works are like a diary so in a way It has a lot of like everyday elements that are just like twisted a little bit, but yeah, I don't think that capitalism necessarily like needs to, uh, like sell itself to us. Like we already are capitalists. So yeah. <laughs> That's the nature of capitalism. It needs to sell itself. Yeah, I actually think that the kind of like the nature of capitalism is that it adapts really well so it can survive kind of like through everything. And I think like a lot of times there has been like moments in history where people actually like try to kind of break free from it, but it's impossible. And uh, we just kind of have to like find ways of survival to like make the best out of it, I guess. I don't know, like, I have absolutely no solutions. I'm just, like, annoyingly laying on the river and just, like, let it take me somewhere. I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> But you're not only that, like, you're also, with your works, trying to show us what it is that we're, and maybe yourself, I don't know, like, trying to mm -hmm. to reflect on yeah. that life. I think it's always nice to really like talk about really concrete things. And I think especially with like premium fantasy, like I think a lot of kind of loose ends come together with that work. And that work actually like deals with uh, fandom of Lost in Translation, the movie. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movie, but at the same time, it's like it's dated so badly since it was published like in 2003. And Like there's a major political shift in the Western society recently and in the past few years, I think. And like the movie has suffered so much and it has a huge fan base. So I'm just interested, like when I traveled to Japan to actually stay in the same hotel that the characters in the movie are staying, I realized that every tourist in that hotel is there because of the movie and they're all American. And so it's just shocking that, that actually like the way, like the movie has shaped 
everything that we think about the Japanese culture. Like the movie has kind of exercised the reason why would we want to travel to Japan. And it kind of creates this like weird uh, kind of portal for the Western tourists to like expect something out of Japan and or like Asian cultures. But uh, in a way, I think like this fandom that I have that's like very problematic, I find it interesting because I realized that that this like the thing that I'm fan of, it has like hurtful structures, then uh, I'm just interested, like, how can I like something that hurts other people? And so I kind of just decided that I'll just go and do what they do in the movie, kind of like a pilgrimage to the movie, and try to kind of discover if I can find any, you know, justification which I definitely didn't. <laughs> Surprise. But uh, yeah. So in that sense, I'm like, I really like it that I do want to see for myself if there is something that I can kind of discover. And yeah, I don't know. Like, it's really hard to talk about the film or like the piece that I just like finished yesterday. So it's like also kind of like, of course I kind of knew what I wanted to do in the hotel. And I spent the same amount of time as the characters in the film did in the hotel. And I really wanted to kind of make a set for myself that I can just kind of like dive into and then see what happens or what the kind of work becomes. And I th think I kind of, um, I do think that I took a lot of kind of uh, tools from my earlier works to like work in the hotel. But then at the same time, I think this like Lost in Translation, the movie, I mean, it. I think it has inspired also a lot of like my previous works in a kind of way that like I've never actually talked about it before. But in other works, there's also like scenes or like uh, cuts or like uh, angles taken from the film, even from like before I even like knew that I would like ever actually make a feel like a work about that film. So it's kind of fun to have this like a uh, cornerstone discovered in a way or like unlocked. And uh, I don't know. I just like it that I made it and it exists. So it kind of adds on to the repertoire works that, that are there. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> how long did you stay there? Uh, I stayed there for eight days Okay. in the hotel. And uh, then we actually had like a, like a separate uh, time that we were like shooting scenes outside of the hotel. So also it's like, uh, you know, in total we were in Japan for five weeks to film. But then uh, this like hotel period was only the same amount that the characters were kind of in the hotel in the film. Uh, and I somehow really wanted to have this, like, uh, kind of the same experience that the characters have in the film and, uh, you know, to kind of put myself through what they've gone through. <laughs> oh my God, sounds so horrible now. It's like, oh yeah, a luxurious, like, hotel. Mm, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, also, like, some scenes are shot afterwards, like, the karaoke scene is shot in, uh, in Amsterdam. 
in a Japanese karaoke bar that opened last year. And that bar, like I was actually supposed to shoot a karaoke scene in the bar that they were in Tokyo, in Shibuya. But then they had closed down, so it's not there anymore. So it's also, I don't know if they maybe have like renovation or something. But uh, so I went back to Amsterdam after a film shoot. And I discovered this karaoke bar in Amsterdam that's like inspired by Lost in Translation. And I was like, this is like, it's so crazy that I just like come here. And just six months ago, they opened up like Lost in Translation Japanese karaoke bar, which just, I guess, like confirms how much the movie actually affects the Western culture. So I really wanted to film the karaoke scene there to kind of connect it to to Europe also. So it's kind of a nice add to the piece yeah, itself definitely and <laughs> and uh, you know like you're you're laughing about like if you want to go through what they're going through and then you go to a luxury <laughs> hotel but that's like also part of the work the privilege of of like you know like the title premium fantasy could you say a little bit about that uh yeah i guess the title i mean The title is super inspired by like hotels in general. And I think this kind of idea of like promoting things as premium or as deluxe, it just kind of stuck to my head when like booking tickets to like so many different places. And I mean, I've, I think this is my fifth time that I worked in a hotel on a piece, which is also like, I guess there's a kind of a, continuity there but uh yeah so the premium fantasy i mean it's very inspired by like hotel room names but also at the same time there's a character in the movie who is called premium fantasy woman and she's a prostitute so she is maybe like the most racist uh character in like i don't know in the cinema history mr harris yes Mr. Kazo sent me. Oh? May I enter? Thank you. Direct massage? I don't think I, I like massage anymore. Mr. Kazo sent premium fantasy. My stockings. Lip them. <laughs> Lip my stockings. Yes, please. Lip them. What? Lip them. Hey, lip my stocking. Hey, lip hey. them. Lip them. What? Yeah. Lip them like this. It's it's like disgusting and it's horrible that she exists. Of course, like the character is very kind of comedic. People do understand that it's supposed to be like comedy. It's supposed to be fun, but then at the same time, she's one of the few. Uh, non-white characters in the film and she's represented in such a horrible manner but I mean the scene, scene is still fun in a way that it makes you kind of awkwardly laugh because it's like it's so wrong but yeah so I took the title kind of or it's kind of like the piece is kind of named after her in a way but I don't know what it means yet I'm just like <laughs> because I'm also thinking like premium fantasies it's It's very much to do for me with what we just talked about before with the idea of capitalism trying to sell us this perfect life, mm. this 
idea of a life that we actually never can get like even if we get all the things all the money all the mm. luxury hotel rooms and so on the life still isn't it's still a fantasy you can't we can't get into a fantasy like yeah. that's the definition of a fantasy yeah um yeah i mean fantasy as a word is fun that it's it like began as something that's like completely unreal like dragons and now fantasy actually means that we have a fantasy of uh like what we consider like normal life and we kind of don't have a perception of normal life so to speak i guess nobody's like living it really but yeah i mean i think i'm like all of these kind of like dreaming and fantasies i'm really kind of interested in how people actually like what do they want and what do i want so i mean a lot of my fantasies are kind of appropriated from also like other people like i want some things that i see on instagram and i want things that i kind of see in commercials i want things that other people want so i think also to kind of realize that like where the need comes to like want things uh or like whatever they are so it's like yeah, I don't know how, how to really, like, finish that sentence. No. <laughs> but um, did you feel like... You, you said you went to Japan to, like, try to uh, <laughs> get some kind of... Uh, what was the word you used? Like, like you, justification. Justification mm-hmm. for, do, for liking the movie, actually, right? Yeah. And you don't feel like you've got that, but did you feel like you learned anything from... Well, I mean, I actually stopped liking the movie. (laughs) I mean, that's something. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's also because I basically, I read every text interview. I watched all the videos created about the movie. And there's so much material, like books written about the movie. So many interviews with different cast members. Uh, And I think, like this kind of like overconsumption also just like destroyed the movie like completely. I think after realizing that it was problematic, I still like the aesthetic, but now even the aesthetic, it's just like everything is kind of ruined. Everything tastes like ashes in a way. And even like the songs in the soundtrack, the song that I'm singing in the karaoke scene. And I mean, we filmed it for two hours straight on and i think i sung the song so many times because it's only like three minutes in karaoke so i was singing it for two hours and i mean after the filming i couldn't like talk anymore because my voice was hurting (laughs) from all the singing (laughs) but uh in a way like when i hear the song i get this kind of weird uh as if i'm being like tortured feeling (laughs) like oh this is like the song that i was like tortured with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's a horrible comparison, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that song is like the 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 lyrics that are in the the mm. your video is quite amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very kind of. I think a lot of choices in lost in translation. The film they are very unfortunate to the problematics that the film represents and. And like it's so we haven't really of... like addressed that. Like, what is that problem? Like, if if someone 
uh, listens to this and haven't seen prim- uh, haven't uh, have seen Lost in Translation, but don't get why it's problematic. Uh, would you explain yeah. that? I mean, the film is uh, directed and written by Sofia Coppola, and she's an American uh, film director. And of course, uh, she's probably mostly known as the daughter of Francis Coppola, who filmed Godfather and among other films, of course. Uh, and she, I think Lost in Translation was to her kind of like the, the most successful film that she's ever made. Uh, of course, she was already successful before starting to film that. But then it is this kind of like a Trump dilemma where she's making a low budget film of only two million dollars <laughs> so i mean yeah okay but uh in a way like the film is also based on her her reality and it's based on her experiences in park Hyatt, tokyo the hotel and it's based on her childhood so i mean this already kind of proposes a setting for the film and so she writes this film and she creates these white people to go to Japan and kind of experience this like cultural enlightenment in a way and kind of like seeking for themselves. So they go on this like cliche trip to try to find themselves. And I guess they do in the end and everything's like happy and rainbow. But then like throughout this process, they go to Japan and they not only act racist, like they hurt people there, uh, not on purpose, maybe on like a little bit like not really even realizing it, of course. But then uh, like the things that they do say, uh, how they kind of behave towards other people there, like Japanese people, uh, it's very kind of distancing the situation from themselves and the characters are kind of like in their own privileged bubble where uh, these outsiders, they like don't have access to that and they don't like kind of want them to have access to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, simply put, the film is just racist. They present a very stereotypical like view on, I think, and they, simplistic view on yeah, how. And I think the film actually Japanese like are. even like confirms and creates stereotypes. Like I think it like kind of created the stereotypes that we now have. And I mean, it's fifteen years ago since it was made. So I mean, it's very sad. But I don't think that before that film, uh, of course white people were racist, the Western people are racist. Uh, but like the film actually just like kind of culminates. It's like a perfect example of how we still kind of uh, behave as a kind of the West in a way. And just uh, this this song, can you remember the lyrics that you're singing? <laughs> you don't have to sing them. I, yeah, I actually... <laughs> During recording, I actually had trouble with uh, like remembering the lyrics. So it's like, even if I sang it for like two hours, I was all the time like, shit, like I can't remember what comes next. But uh, I mean, basically the song is uh, like, it's sung in the movie so that uh, Scarlett Johansson's character Charlotte is singing to Bob in a way as a kind of 
uh, I don't know, even as a, like a mating ritual almost, or that's how it seems the scene. But yeah, the lyrics, I can't remember. Attention, give it to me. Cause I gonna make you see. There's nobody else here. No one like me. I'm special. So special. I gotta have some of your attention. Give it to me. To me. <laughs> When you see it in your video and not in Lost in Translation, mm. it it kind of reminds me of another video that you've done and that is in the exhibition, which is Bubble, mm. uh, which is in like alone in the other bunker, yeah. the Bubble Bunker, as we call it mm. now. <laughs> um, and in this video, it's it's kind of there's some of the same things going on as it's in a hotel room also. Mm. It, but this is a young guy who's like looking at his phone all the time and studying his own body and but he's really alone and it seems like he, there's also uh, he's calling someone but no one really picks up and he's and when i saw that movie the first time a couple of years ago i was like uh, he can't even uh, he's not even aware that what he's missing is other people. Mm. Like he's so alone, and he don't even he doesn't even get it. Like he's he's <laughs> he's everything is so perfect, and uh, and he's like, why isn't this? Why I and I am and aren't I satisfied? Mm. And to me, the only answer to like how could you get satisfied would be other people. But it's like. He doesn't see that. Yeah. Would you like agree with that reading? Uh, well, I definitely wouldn't read the work that way myself, but I do agree to that idea of how you read it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but definitely I would read it differently myself. Uh, and yeah. How would you read it? Hmm. I guess I would read it maybe in a more personal manner. I mean, the things that I'm like kind of doing in the film, they have a lot to do with like uh, kind of like the masculine theater in a way that the theatricality of masculinity is not very like research in art history. And so like the gestures and the things that I'm doing in the film are taken from these like ice hockey players and kind of like super macho men and I'm trying to kind of appropriate those ways of like using your body in the film uh, the setting it is a hotel but then at the same time I don't think that it matters that it's a hotel I mean it, I think it's just a very kind of generic uh, generic type of Scandinavian decor and light and it's like it's kind of like it, it is I mean I don't think that it's like luxurious it's kind of very generic how we kind of want to see ourselves and maybe for me the film is actually more in the kind of gestures uh, rather than like being alone but this, at the same time I'm like 
it is the kind of uh, things that you could post in Instagram. And a lot of time people are alone in their Instagram accounts. And yeah, I don't think that being alone is kind of like a, a bad thing necessarily. I think it's fine. <laughs> But <laughs> he has himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it seems also that he's very concerned with himself and nothing mm. but that. Yeah. And that's why that song lyric that yeah. I'm, I'm so special and I'm here all alone. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of Bubble. Oh, yeah. And also yeah. many of like the other things in your movies. But like, I think that theme is there and it's very much a theme of our generation. We're, mm. uh, I'm 29, you're 30. Like we're I'm actually not 30, I'm 29. You're 29 too, sorry. <laughs> so we're the same age. And yeah. I'm actually not 29, I'm 29 on Wednesday. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. Congratulations. But we're our generation and also the generation that's younger than ours is very concerned with themselves. Yeah. When you say? I think, uh, like, yes, our generation is very concerned with ourselves. I don't see it as like negative or positive. I think it's something that we can actually work with in a way that we are also resp- responsible for ourselves and our actions. So it's quite nice that the direction is like pointing towards like oneself and people can actually like now start considering like who am I and what are the actions that I take? What are the structures that I support in a way? And I love it. Uh, it's like, I think we are a lot of kind of good social development has kind of happened in the past five years in the West. Uh, and I do really hope that the works kind of keeps on going and like people being more responsible in general and kind of, I don't know. It, I mean, it feels so idealistic to say these things, but like people trying to be better people and kind of like it starts from yourself. So, I mean, oh my God, <laughs> I'm like quoting RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, you don't need to love yourself, but you need to be responsible for yourself and your actions and your words and the structures and like everything. Uh, so it kind of does start from yourself. I mean, we are all persons, so it's nice that, that it exists, but in the work actually in bubble, I think, I mean, the whole kind of point of my performative work is that I kind of represent the kind of gener- generic medium of this like, uh, contemporary masculinity in a way that I could be like any white guy. And it's like, People think that privilege comes from spending a week in Park Hyatt, Tokyo and living a luxurious life. But that's not privilege. That's not luxury. Luxury is that you have human rights and you have kind of the power to yourself. And like that is the kind of deluxe that people are blind to. And they want more luxurious things because they think that they need it, but they already like don't realize that they are so privileged. And that they are kind of hurting other people through this privilege and through like being kind of ignorant about it. But yeah. Yeah. So, so, so 
you wouldn't say that maybe there's not too much of a critique of our generation, but more like a general, like um, trying to reflect on the privileged West. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the critique necessarily doesn't come from me, but it maybe comes from the viewer. And I mean, I'm representing in the video works things that maybe the viewers are already critical about, and maybe they don't even realize that they're critical about those things. But then, like, after seeing it, they're like, like, maybe they feel that I'm critical because they become critical through mm. watching the videos. But I mean, I'm also just kind of like representing my own privilege, which is super annoying, but uh, like being a super privileged person and then representing it, I think through like representing that privileged, I mean, it, it, I guess it is kind of a critique of it, but I mean, I'm actually like not doing anything about it in a way, but like maybe it is a mirror to some people. But then it's also so interesting, like some of my friends who are like POC and they watch the works and they're just like, like they watch it so differently because of course it's not a mirror to them. It's actually like kind of like representing the villain in a way. And yeah. Um, but you're talking about this masculinity. Uh, mm -hmm. Also in Bubble, and that reminds me obviously of Swole, uh, mm -hmm. the work, which is kind of a weird title, but it, that's like <laughs> slang. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> would you explain that word? Uh, I mean, it just means it's an English word and it means that you're super buff and you're like muscular, uh, muscular. Uh, and the word, because the word in origin, like it's originally in Finnish. And the Finnish, like, bodybuilding subcultures have kind of adapted a lot of the English slang. So it's also a Finnish word in a way, and we just pronounce it like svole. And it's quite nice that we haven't, like, translated it at all. We just, like, take it from the English bodybuilders, like, okay, yeah, this is what they, like, call it, and we can, like, start using it. So in, in that sense, also, like, the word I mean, it's very strongly slang. And I like to think of the word as like, as the Finnish word instead of the English one. But I mean, of course, the title is in English. I tried to check and the word, I guess, doesn't really exist in Danish. Maybe in like some bodybuilding culture, like subcultures here, they do use it. But yeah, it's pretty common in English, in like Instagram at least. <laughs> Like the funny part is that those text messages are actually text messages that I've sent. It's not scripted. So it's like, uh, it's kind of like my actual dreams from that moment. And, uh, so we've sent so, that to a friend. That... Yeah. And the like responses are my friend's texts. Okay. So it's, <laughs> I don't think that a lot of people actually think about that those texts are real, but they are. So it's like, I told you a couple of days ago that I seem, thought those texts were like so stereotypical that yeah. you wouldn't like I believe mean, that anyone would actually write yeah. that. And yeah, but I guess it's also because my friend, who is actually also queer, uh, he also is into kind of like bodybuilding and, you know, like gym and stuff. So uh, 
it's funny that usually when we talk, we talk about these things. So it's also nice to kind of go through our chats and like see, uh, see the things that we've like chatted about. And sometimes they are as ridiculous as are in the film. Uh, but also at the time when I was actually filming or like making the work, uh, like editing it, uh, he was also my assistant. So it was also like chatting with my like arts assistant, but like the chat is what it is. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> but like this text is you walking around in an apartment, writing someone that you want to be buff, that yeah. you want to yeah, be want muscular, to, yeah. want to be a swine. Uh, the fatter the better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I guess that was kind of a moment in time of uh, like uh, like actually like gaining mass in a way that's like like when you start going to the gym I think the first six one months like one year it's quite easy to gain mass but then it gets harder so you kind of like go into the state of like uh Like, oh, it's like, it's gonna like, I'm just like gonna keep on working out and it's just like gonna make me bigger. And then you realize like, no, it's actually like, there's kind of a limit to that. And then you have to like really start focusing if you really want to like get bigger. And I mean, that's something that I like still need to do. I haven't really like gone like extremely fully into that yet. I don't know if I actually want to even. I mean, that would then like basically mean that I'm like, making work about like bodybuilding and that's not really the topic that i'm so interested in but uh yeah maybe. but why had you have you made that movie like what is was it that was interesting for you uh, to, like... that film is actually made for an exhibition so it was commissioned and it was part of this like practical masochism so in a way i was curated there because my practice was about like destroying my non-binary identity through uh, like masculine means so like through bodybuilding and through like eating would you explain what you mean by destroying your own um, so basically like uh like being a non-binary person like i started like my art practice basically started from me trying to remove everything that was feminine about my identity so of course it has to do with like clothing hair behavior Uh, even voice, uh, everything that has to do with me. And then in the end, to kind of see if it actually affects things like personality or like uh, mentality in a way. And if even if like my kind of values, like human values could actually change in the end. Uh, of course, the project is still like ongoing in a way, but... Basically, it meant that I started like going to the gym. I started like behavioral and like voice therapies, uh, and I basically just purchased clothing that I saw either on like the men that I was like stalking or following on Instagram, and uh, yeah. And do you feel like it changed you? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, uh, of course, like when I started working about that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym like two months and then I'm like super buff and I can make a critical work about it. But then at the end, I'm like, uh, of course, I grow up as a person like through the process. And I mean, I started four years ago. 
So, I mean, a lot has changed. A lot has kind of become something else also. So, I don't know. I'm like, I kind of try to do my best in being critical. But I've also noticed that it's actually like, uh, like some other things have like kind of risen from that project. So it's actually more interesting to talk about specifics, like specific, uh, themes that I work about rather than the kind of, uh, what I also like to think as like a personal project in a way that I necessarily don't need to present that kind of like gender destruction project as part of my work. I can also just like present works that have kind of like risen from that project. Mm. So yeah, it is kind of like a platform to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I just shortly want to like, talk about the just like two works that we haven't really talked about mm. one is the Kyoto yeah which is like uh, you made it at the same time that you made premium fantasy it's yeah. made in Japan mm. and it's you walking around in a very traditional Japanese house right yeah uh, mm. and that's it like you, you're walking around in that uh, <laughs> in that and you like seem kind of misplaced yeah uh, in a way a bit about that movie uh, film that uh, piece called guest so it's filmed in a house that's uh, basically serving uh, as a hotel for Western people so I mean the house seems kind of like a movie set because it is as fake as a movie set I mean it's not a kind of a real house in a sense that I mean it's very new it's renovated to look like a Japanese cultural experience so that the western people who travel to kyoto they can kind of like have this experience of living like the japanese people do but i mean that of course that's not true so it's kind of this like cliche version of japan that's targeted for us to stay in so i think it's interesting that my character who's like me super white goes into the house and i mean kind of i mean the whole piece is inspired by uh, the story Goldilocks so it's Goldilocks entering the house and kind of like looking what's in there and then in the end leaving so it's like I think there's very small gestures like not taking off your shoes or your jacket which is super rude you're walking on the tatami with your shoes on it's like that's forbidden but that character doesn't know it it's like they don't care so it happens uh, yeah so maybe that works is actually about like these very simple gestures like making it feel a bit violent when you open the kitchen cupboards when you open the doors when you put on the lights it feels like you're not supposed to be there and that feels violent so I kind of do like this kind of like uh, violence in this like everyday gestures and maybe that work is actually just mostly about that 
But it seems like an like an ignorant violence, like mm. like and like kind of uh, you know like uh, not even caring mm. about or not doing, knowing. Yeah. Know. Mm. Um, okay. Then the last word that we haven't talked about is is uh, could you say what it's called? The sculpture park work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That one is actually a, probably the most mysterious one for me right now. I have no idea what it deals with. The work is filmed in a sculpture park by this like queer artist, Finnish queer artist who died in 2010 called Veijo Renkonen, and he was like super much of an outsider of the Finnish society or the city where he lived in. So he basically just kept to himself making these crazy-ass sculptures, self-portraits of himself. There's more than 500 sculptures and like human-sized, human-figure sculptures. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the location of the film. So it's me visiting the sculpture park, very simply. Mm. And so I'm... Um, and he of, was like uh, an outcast yeah he was kind of shunned from the society because he was awkward weird queer so uh it was thought very kind of i mean the city where he lives is really small on the eastern border of finland so i guess that's pretty common to kind of like shun these people away uh so he had a few friends who every now and then visited him at the sculpture park, but that's where he lived and created sculptures. Uh, I don't think that he's very recognized in the Finnish art scene because he's non-educated. He's like, he's not academic. So he's one of these like self-educated artists who are not at all like appreciated, basically. Of course, it's like nobody would probably say that they don't appreciate his work because it's amazing now. But I mean, at the time, you know, uh, so it's kind of fun to approach the park. Last summer I filmed the piece and I was actually like, uh, living for a while in Parikkala, the city in a summer cabin. My partner has summer cabin there. So it's like pretty handy. So we were just like spending time there and we visited the park and I kind of realized that it's actually it is like super interesting i visited also before and then i was just looking at the tourists who arrived at the park and who were there and they were like not finnish and that's something that struck me as like parikkala is i think it's three hours away from helsinki so it's a pretty long stretch to go and visit the park and that the all the tourists that are visiting the park are foreign that was also something that was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why aren't the Finnish people visiting it? Uh, so I actually contacted uh, the person who had written a book about the park and about the artist, who happened to be a very good friend of the artist. So, uh, so through contacting me, this person, we actually had a really long conversation about video about the park about the sculptures and so i it kind of just confirmed that i really kind of want to approach him as an artist 
in a way that I want to kind of record something in the park that's maybe casual, but something that I want to maybe include in some sort of uh, repertoire of works, but I still don't know what that work is about in a way. I'm like, yeah, I, I do feel that I identify personally with the artist in a way that I think that he's very important to me now. But I mean, I've never met him, but that's why the work is about the sculptures that he created and not about him as an artist. So, yeah. Is there anything like you want to add for someone visiting the exhibition? I don't know. I mean, take what you want out of the exhibition, like look at the works, don't look at them. If you can't see. <laughs> that's that's something artists often say that like like this attitude of of it doesn't matter what people no, take it, from it. It does matter, but I mean the things that you take out of the works, that's what matters. So it's like you take something for yourself that you think is important, or maybe you hate it and you don't want to take anything. That also matters. But I don't know if it matters to me if a singular person hates everything. I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. But I think uh, like looking at art, it's maybe, I mean, of course it's it's about you, the viewer also, but it's also about like, uh, it's about contemporary issues and maybe it adds to a dialogue that you already kind of had in your mind. And maybe you want to kind of have a conversation with the artworks in a way. I think that's a good note to end. Yeah. Wow, you really listened to the whole thing, did you? Well, thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed it. And you can always follow the Art Center on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also go to our website, which is regbau411.dk. My name is Miguel Elming. I am the director and half of the conversation you just heard. And you're welcome to follow me too on Facebook and Instagram. And the music that you're listening to right now is KOI with the number Templi. It's a Finnish band that Arthur has used in uh, his work Bubble. And the exhibition Premium Fantasy was supported by the Danish Arts Council and the municipality of Stor. Thank you very much for that. And that's all for me this time. Uh, see you soon. Bye bye.